Welcome to The Deal with Yield, your podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm Joel Whipperfirth. I lead digital transformation for Winfield United, and joining me today is John Zook. I'm John Zook, agronomist for Winfield United. There are so many ag tech tools on the market that sometimes it can be difficult to get started with tech. Today, we're going to talk about the apps and the ag tech that we use every day and the tools that are on our wish list and some of the new ag tech on the horizon. John, what are some apps that you find yourself using on a day-to-day? So I always find this interesting because, you know, that your iPhone, they get this weekly report of here's how you use your phone. This is how many hours you're down from last week, right? And you always go through that and go, well, geez, what the heck was I using it on? And and a lot of the times I'm on the phone, talking on the phone, but I'm answering messages and emails almost at the same time. But really the fun apps for me would be GoPro, Snapchat, YouTube, all those things that you go to probably for information and information about your friends, but also information about your interests are probably the ones that are the most common that I find myself using. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of very personal use in the app space. I actually switched off the iPhone. I, I actually that. moved to a Google Pixel because I wanted to kind of experience the Android. And the thing that I would say is different about this one is I kind of wasn't going to do it. And and then all of a sudden, you know, because I'm heavily invested in iTunes, I've got all my books on tape on there, I've got a little bit of music on there, and kind of got me to that cloud platform provider. But Google kind of swayed me in because the phone started to know me better. And so there's some apps on there that I really like like using, I of course used the Amazon Prime app on there and all those things were available in both stores, but I don't know. I'm in between right now. I'm switching between platforms. So when you say the phone gets to know me better, doesn't it sometimes creep you out when you're like, hey, I I didn't want to buy that or I didn't want to look at that, but now all of a sudden this is the information that I'm seeing. Does that, is that not, how does that affect you in your day to day? Yeah. So I I guess as a consumer, I kind of go back to, does it serve my needs better? And, you know, when I look at the consumerism element of, you know, I don't always need to buy things. But I think this is the same question that we'd ask for farmers. Can we use their data to help serve their business needs better? And we're not trying to sell them frivolous products. We're trying to sell them data-backed insights that identify needs on their farm. So I, I would say that both of these are trying to serve the needs of the user. It's just that the one in my personal life, eh, I could probably live without it. So the one thing that I find the most important if I'm going to use an app, the most important thing is the cross-functionality to, can I just hit the button and it's going to know my information? It's going to log me in. If it's an app that I use to purchase things, it already knows my credit card. And heck, it'll even know which credit card I want to use based on what the purchase is. Those types of things to me, being the maybe the age that I am, kind of middle-aged, I find that to relieve a lot of stress. Like if I can just log in, it knows my password. I don't have to remember a password. It knows, let's say for a grower, maybe it knows my field information. It's got fertility information. It's got hybrid information. I've already entered that in. And now I can just use the tool for what it was meant to be used for, I think is the biggest factor to integrating that into day-to-day use. Yeah. And so I think that parallels our story on ag tech that we're trying to make sure that the data from the cab can go directly into the tool that serves the insight on the hybrid's response to fungicide score at the time of the season when you might need to apply fungicide. And I think 
when we think about tech development, we've gravitated towards building retailers' websites that are mobile responsive, which means they can display on a computer or they can display on your phone, and it kind of squishes down really well. Some of the apps that we've left that are native out there, native to Android and iOS, we've left the NutriSolutions app native to that, just because the functionality and the speed that you want to get that information really fits well inside of there. But we're actually gravitating in our development back towards a mobile app for growers that would be under the retailer's brand. And then that app would serve up information that would be inside that retailer's website, billing information, grain, and some of the agronomy insights that we get out of some of the tech tools. Okay, so native, let's get some terminology here. Native, clarify, what does that mean? If I got iPhone, Android, what does native mean when I'm thinking about an app? Yeah, it means that uh, it was actually brought from the store on that particular device. And I feel like uh, this is like a conversation. My dad got his first iPhone like three weeks ago, and I was trying to text message him. And I, you know, I was trying to explain how to look at the text message, and it was... I don't know that he's there yet. So just wait until he accidentally FaceTimes you, and then all you can see is the inside of his ear, and you go, hey, Dad, like, that's you can it. look at me, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But the native apps are actually hosted on your device and have some functionality that's common to all of them versus a non-native app would be like a website. And when you go to your you know, Google Chrome or your Safari browser inside your phone, a lot of times you can save that as what looks like an app but is really launching a browser And oftentimes that browser that looks like an app doesn't have some of the speedy functionality, like when you get into a calendar or, you know, it doesn't have all that native piece. The good part about non-native apps, though, is when you do the iOS updates, they're not really affected by any of that. So I don't know what type of person you are. Are you the type of person that when the security update comes out, you wait or you do it right away? Sometimes it depends. So I'm like a chameleon. Like sometimes I'm like ready for the update because the other one was driving me crazy. And then the other times I'm like, this update has not done anything wrong to me. I'm not sure that I have to be the guy that figures out that it no longer knows my password and I got to re-enter it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'd say, you know, my advice to you, John, is that's the number one place for your phone to be secure. You should always do the update because it's about cloud security. So, you know, getting into this tech piece, you know, we talked a little bit about our consumer lives in tech. What advice do you have for farmers who want to start implementing ag tech? So one of the easiest ways to get into ag tech is I think go back to a lot of times I I see a lot of things across ag tech and I go, gosh, it'd be nice if the grower could just log in and, and see what I see or see what the agronomist at their level that works with them sees, like, because that would create some of the excitement. And mainly it's not the excitement, it's the conversations that you'd have about managing that acre that makes ag tech real. So that's, to me, one of the, the most exciting things is trying to see where that process is going and how quickly the conversation moves from the generalities of, hey, how was church on Sunday? What does the weather look like? And then you got to start talking about the field. What if you were all in tune? So it's just like, hey, here's what happened in our field. How do we start to manipulate what's going on? And I think that's where we can have a lot more impactful conversations about maybe it's hybrid management. Maybe it's even in this stage looking into spring, maybe it's still some hybrid placement going on of switching some things around, knowing which fields are first to plant, maybe which ones then are going to lead to be first to side dress or higher populations, all those things come into factor. And having an 
easier way to communicate them with other people around your business allows those processes to happen a lot more efficiently. You know, we recently were going through a study. We were designing a new app for farmers. And and as we went out and interviewed them, we were expecting to have this sort gate of tech and non-tech. And one of the things we didn't find was that. We just kind of found that Growers were using tech. We didn't find tech and non-tech. We found that they were all really using tech. And then we said, well, surely there's going to be an age difference here, that there's some demographic. And, you know, John, we didn't really find that either. We kind of found that, you know, there's some growers that are really experienced and maybe have been in the business a long time that are using tech and ones that are brand new and using tech. So I don't know as if there's many non-tech farmers left out there, but I know that you do some planting in the springtime as a farmer. What sort of tech have you been using as you're doing a, some vacational? I, it's, I think you take vacation days to do it. Oh yeah, vacation for sure. I don't get paid to sit in the corn planter, Joel. Yeah, only an agronomist would take a vacation day inside the corn planter. Hey, we've been known to do crazy things like that. Yeah, but what kind of tech tools are you using? So some of the tech tools that I'm using, I mean, just thinking about what's in the cab of the combine, I mean, just simple, like the iPad is always front of mind. And that, I mean, that goes into the precision planting leads into climate, climate gives a lot of those yield maps, but most of it's still run through the precision planting side. So that's the experience with that. What I have been implementing for the last couple of years is using field forecasting tool. And really, I've been using that as a kind of, I always ask a grower, hey, what's your farm plan? Oh, oh I got a farm I got a farm plan. I mean, I know exactly my farm plan is. It's the first seed that went in the shed is the last seed to come out. Like, I mean, a lot of the times the farm plan is a vague thing in the back of everybody's mind. But I've been using the field forecasting tool to say, okay, this is the field that we have in front of us. Which hybrid are we putting on? What's our fertility applications that we're making? Let's list it out. And now let's use that to try to make decisions about what the next step might be. So nowadays, they let, like, the one grower that lets me run his planter tractor always teases me and says, hey, you have an important job, but remember, I could teach a monkey how to drive this tractor. <laughs> like, it's like, it's, all you have to do is just make sure when it beeps at the end, you grab the wheel and turn it around and then make sure it beeps again. I mean, so in all reality, you have a little bit more time to be exploring these things. And so you find yourself going through some of those apps and trying to create some more functionality of how do we better optimize yields. What spot am I currently in? Can I mark that spot? Is there a rock there? Those sorts of things come to mind. Yeah. So I think this is interesting. You know, we used to talk about when tech was kind of coming into the ag tech space, we talked about, you know, technology will not replace sellers and growers, but sellers and growers who use technology will replace the ones that don't. And this is one of the things that we're that I'm seeing out here. And, and actually, uh, one of the moments that crystallized for me about a month ago, there was an article on a website that for people that raise money uh, in something called venture capital, where investors make decisions on things that they think are going to pay off. One of the particular companies was out there, and their mission statement says that they're going to take the mid to lower producing areas of land, and they're going to use technology and innovation to drive productivity out of that. And what was interesting, you know, I've seen venture capital get into land investments before where they buy up a chunk of land. This was the first time that I had actually seen a tech venture entrepreneur actually stating that they were getting into it with the intent to use technology to boost yield. You've been listening to the Deal with Yield podcast. For more episodes, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com.